Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called but of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. This is the Rugby World Cup on the left wing. Hello and welcome to the left wing. Well, we are here in the lovely Place Plemeru, our fifth, this is start of our fifth week here, lads. and final weekend tour. Sadly. Oh. Five in the Big Brother house. We're all <laughs> yeah. still talking, which is... Just that's all right. We're, we're paid to talk to each other, Keen. That's, that's the gig. <laughs> um, yeah, last week of tour, and I think it's going to be the last week of warm weather. We maybe recording in long sleeves by the, by Wednesday. I think the temperatures are due to drop tomorrow, but it's absolutely stunning here today and we're kind of drinking it in. I think everyone's yeah. sad to be going on uh, on Thursday when they ship out for as long as Ireland are at this tournament. They'll be in Paris. They won't. I think they would have liked to stay in tour and kind of do what they're doing, but they can't. So we'll miss this place. They definitely will. I met, met a member of the backroom team um, yesterday who stopped and just said like, you know, how much they are going to miss it. But also like they'd miss tour anyway, but it's the fact that they're going to Paris and they're going to the middle of nowhere in at every step of the yeah, way. Yeah, so it's a good bit out of the, the city. Yeah. They pulled out their the second last, I think, ranked team in terms of the luck of the draw. So, I mean, Ireland really don't... Uh, don't fancy the places they're going staying, so you can see why they really are going to miss this place. Topping the pool, I think, gets them up. I mean, we're going to be talking about permutations a bit later. There's permutations around the, where you're staying as well. I think popping, topping the pool gets them up a, a, a notch. I think they're expecting to be staying at the hotel they're in this week, which is about two hour or an hour north of Paris. They're expecting, if they beat Scotland, to be there next week as well. Apparently, it's a beautiful hotel. It's where the Springboks stayed mm, before yeah. they played Ireland, but it's not in Paris. Yeah, it's how long, how far is it outside of the thing? I think like I, the, the lads who were there for the Springbok press conference bumped into John Klein at a laundry where he was looking to get to the train station to get into Paris. It was going to take him about an hour, 45 minutes an hour to get in. I mean, what's beautiful about tour and what's been great for the players is that they can kind of cycle in from their hotel, yeah, which is in the north so of the city. Yeah. We saw the, the um, Keith Earls, Peter Romani um, picture. Um, but the... Like they've been able to go, but they're also able to go about their business really quietly here. Like there's no, there have been fans here and there, but really they're just part of the furniture here now and it's been great for them. Um, and I think that would be different in Paris because if they want to get into the city, it's a big, big trek. But look, 
if they're in the knockouts of the World Cup, they'll be happy enough. Okay, are we ready to get into the permutations? Yes. I, I have full faith in what you're going to come we up need with visual here. graphics for all of this. <laughs> we do, we do. Just read um, the piece in today's, today's paper. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> Hastily updated as South Africa yeah. failed to run up a score against Tonga last night. So I was surprised, the end, yeah. I was fully expecting him to absolutely... Well, Tonga played really well. I think that was the Tonga that I expected in the first game, but it's taken him three weeks to get there. Ben Taumafuna was incredible. Big Ben, 145 kilos, running over Springboks. I mean, they challenged South Africa in ways that Ireland didn't. They scored three tries. They struggled. I mean, Pollard's back. Pollard did really well. You know, kicked all his goals. But South Africa's attack looked quite clunky. They're more... Like it grinds teams down, but it takes a long time to get the points. I suppose the result is that you're tiring the opposition teams. But at the end of the day, they got the five points. They're probably in the quarterfinals, barring a, a remarkable set of circumstances. And what Ireland need to do this weekend is win. Yeah. So or draw. Yeah. So South Africa are top on 15, Ireland are second on 14, and Scotland are on 10. Yeah. And so obviously Scotland have finished their, their pool games. Yeah. Well, Scotland have one more to go. South Africa Oh, sorry. Finished. South Africa finished um, their pool games. Yeah. And because South Africa didn't win by 35 or more points, they don't have a favourable points difference going into this. So Ireland still have a bit of a cushion. Um, if Ireland win, they go through. If Ireland draw, they go through. If Ireland lose with a bonus point and Scotland don't get a bonus point, Ireland go through. After that, it gets a bit trickier. A 4-0 win for Scotland, as in a win by more than seven points without scoring the four, four tries and stopping Ireland from scoring four tries, Ireland go out. 5-1 um, is where it gets tricky because 5-1 means all three, finish team, all three teams finish on 15. Uh, 15 points, which means the top two teams will be decided by um, points, points difference. And then for some reason, it goes to head-to-head. Uh, to head. So in that scenario, unless Scotland win by 21 or more points... Scotland uh, and South Africa will go through because Scotland will have a favourable head-to-head on Ireland. Ireland will hope that it doesn't get to that point. They'll back themselves to score two or, to, to win or, or to get two or more points. You know, they really have to take this out of the equation. It's interesting for us to talk about now. If it comes down to it and we're all filing for on Sunday and we're doing these maths live in Stade de France with new editors ringing us, we're all in trouble. Ireland are in trouble. Um, there is a scenario that they both could you know, do an, an Austria-Germany job from 1982 and come to an arrangement and knock the Springboks out with Scotland going through as pool toppers and Ireland finishing second. But I just don't think, don't think they're going to do that. Um, it'd be quite funny, though. Yeah, no, it be. Uh, Scotland then at the weekend, uh, Keane. So, obviously, they ran up 12 tries in their win over Romania. And again, the soundings of kind of confidence seem to be coming out of them. No surprise. They, ju- they just can't help themselves. Like, I do... I think we should caveat this by some of the questions and I listened to them were asked, I mean, like, how do you feel going into play against Ireland? I mean, your players aren't going to come out and say, oh, like, we're going to play the number one ranked team in the world. But it's just a little extras that they always seem to throw in. I mean, you had Steve Tandy saying yesterday, the defence coach, that there's always a first time to knock over Ireland. You had Hamish Watson saying that all the pressure is on Ireland and that, you know, that Scotland relish being the underdogs. Very Irish kind of attitude in many ways. Look, Ireland have won the last eight games against Scotland. Um, Steve Tandy is right. There is always a chance and they are a banana skin. I don't think anyone internally or outside the squad... um, is taking this for granted by any means. Like Rudd has just run through the permutations there. This is still a live game. Ireland need to, like their destiny is firmly in their own hands. They just need to go out there and win. But yeah, like, I mean, there's a lot of familiarity there, which kind of, you know, it's the same for both teams. I mean, when you're playing South Africa and New Zealand teams like that, it's always a little bit different. I mean, but they're used to playing these teams in the URC. They're used to playing them in the Six Nations. But 
Like, I just keep going back to the Six Nations game earlier this year in Murrayfield. And if Scotland couldn't win that game when Keane Healy was scrummaging at hooker and Josh van der Fleer was thrown into the line-out, when everything that could have went wrong did go wrong for Ireland, they were away from home and they still managed to to win, I think that was a really big psychological blow for Scotland. So, um, Why exactly are Ireland Scotland's bogey team? Well, how good are Scotland? I mean, this is the... This is the question. I mean, who have Scotland actually beaten over the last while? England. Who? England. But how good That's, are England? But like that kind of could have get cup game every year, amps them up. Yeah. And I mean they are they have been like they are number five for a reason. They obviously have enough results to get into that top five. They're sit they haven't beaten though. Beat France in the warm ups. Yeah, but that was a yeah. Fair enough, but that was a mad game. It was a warm-up game. It wasn't a... Craig Townsend's going to play this to the, the players well, on, he, on Saturday night. He absolutely can play it. I mean, I'm saying I'm not, like, I'm not taking Coffee Scotland... not t- taking Scotland for granted, but I would be, like, it's going to... I think it would be team. a huge upset. Huge upset, I think, be, for Scotland. It's not just, to, the, it's not just the, the win. The fact that they have to win by more than seven, they haven't done it for 20 years. Mm. So that would be, like, a remarkable set of circumstances for it to happen, but... Like, I look through both of the teams, and particularly in the packs and I think that is where the marked difference is between these two teams and like okay like I'm green tinted glasses I'm going to take them off now but like you tell me one Scottish forward who would get into that Irish pack and I think that is where the difference is I think Scotland's improvements in the back line have been really really impressive they've got a brilliant centre combination who are capable of causing any defence in the world problems when Finn Russell is on it we all know what he's capable of but like when Finn Russell has been good at this World Cup it's when defences have been sitting off him you know you saw him against South Africa against that rush defence didn't quite uh, didn't quite nail um, a few of his briefs in that game so um, I, I think it's up front is where the big difference is and I would fully expect Ireland to double down on what I think is a distinct advantage I like you're right and, and there's a reason that Irish players get picked for Lions tours and Scottish players didn't until Gregor Townsend became yeah. the Lions coach. Um, <laughs> Chris you know, Harris, I mean, you go through the players that were picked ahead of like, Irish players like it was... I think if, if it's, there is a, it's a, it, it will take something extraordinary to happen for Scotland to beat Ireland, but it is a local rivalry. There is the kind of, you know, once, you, once the referee blows his whistle, anything can happen. You know, there could be a, a red card in the first five minutes. You know, Ireland's discipline's been exceptional. I do think the break came at a really good time for Ireland because... If Ireland had played Scotland six or seven days after they'd beaten South Africa, it would have been very natural for them to, to kind of sail through the first half of that week high on the fumes of beating the box and that, that night and the celebrations and stuff. It would only be natural for them to, to find it difficult to come back down. But instead, they were able to go out. They were able to have a couple of drinks. Go stay, you know, Those who have families spend time with their families. A couple of them got an Airbnb in Paris. They, they blew, out, blew off some steam, came back in last Wednesday. And now the way they're framing it, I would assume is that this is the first of the knockout games. This is the last 16. They ought to win four games to win a World Cup. The first of them is against Scotland. They're not looking at the permutations. I mean, I'm sure the captain or the leadership group will have them in their backs and their minds just in case. But really, they shouldn't be looking at the permutations. It's a team that they, they always beat. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, Glasgow, Edinburgh, the Irish provinces generally beat them as well. It's sometimes tricky, but Keane's right. Like, it's very hard to pick and a Scottish player would get into the Irish 15, maybe the 23. But again, that may come across as arrogant and that, you know, our Scots are often accused of being arrogant by Irish um, kind of fans and stuff. Um, and that, a lot of it came down to Stuart Hogg, to be honest. But the, I just don't see the route to victory for Scotland unless something goes wrong. But if they get it right, like they did in that first half of Murrayfield, where they caused, their attack caused Ireland huge problems, like they can get a score, up, up a score and then the pressure comes on because it is a knockout game. And Ireland have never won a knockout game in a World Cup. So if they get in, into an attacking position and they ask questions of Ireland, then Ireland will have to answer them. And that's something we, we need to see from this Irish team. But I would have confidence that they would. Yeah, and I was uh, 
we spoke to Conor Murray recently or just a few days ago at the press conference. Obviously, he was asked about Scotland and uh, this is what he had to say about the challenge coming this weekend. Like I said, we've had huge battles with Scotland over the years and especially recently. They've really developed their game and I think... I would, if you were Scotland, they said it afterwards that they were upset with the way they, they performed against South Africa. They, they didn't show the best version of themselves. Um, so, you know, we know, obviously, they're, they're in the Six Nations. We play them every year. We know how good they can be. Um, and, and we're certainly not, not overlooking them. That might be the story outside, but uh, I can assure you it's completely different in here. Will Conor Murray start against Scotland? I would be very surprised if he starts. I think he's been playing brilliant, like really, really good rugby, not just at this World Cup, but he's had a really good season. Um, no, I would be surprised if he starts. Um, I, th- I don't think Should James- he start? No, I think Jameson Gibson Park is still Ireland's first choice scrum half. Who, and I don't think he's been at his best actually at this World Cup, but that gives me cause for optimism that guys like Jameson Gibson Park still have scope for improvement. I think there's one or two kind of in that boat. Um, no, I think Jameson Gibson Park is still Ireland's first choice and he should start. Um, I think they are going to want to play high tempo. Like I said, they're going to look to take them on up front. I wouldn't imagine there'll be too many changes. I would fully expect Dan Sheehan to to start now that he's fit again. I I think the big question is, would you start Jack Conan or have him on the bench? Personally, I think there's going to be a strong temptation to, to start Jack Conan um, just to get him minutes. It will obviously depend on if he's able to train fully this week, if he trained fully last week, which we're led to believe that he has. But I think there's definitely going to be an eagerness to get him good, like good game time before the knockouts if I'd, they can make it. I'd start Conor Murray. I think you back form and he is in better form than Jameson Gibson Park who was charged down twice by the Springboks in that first half. This is going to be knockout rugby. You need a strong kicking game and Conor Murray's the better kicker. He can play with tempo and he's in better form than Jameson Gibson Park. Four years ago, I argued that he shouldn't be starting in World Cup games because he wasn't playing well at that time and Joe Schmidt stuck by him, stuck by him. Well, now he's playing well. I think he should play. I think Sheehan should come in um, Conan, I think a lot depends on James Ryan. We don't know the full picture there. We're led to believe that he's okay, that he's going to train this week, that he'll be fine for the weekend. But there's a bit a of a modified, suspicion. modified training schedule is what we've been told um, after the Springboks game. So yeah, and like he that didn't would... seem to come off with an injury though in that game, did he? No, I, I, don't, I don't think he did. I think he's probably just carrying a knock. Like, look, it was such a, a bruising game, but like he has a few days. I mean, what I've heard he's is come that... come off early in two games. Yeah, like what, I've, like him. what I've heard is that if the game was on tomorrow, James Ryan would be playing. So I would fully expect James Ryan to be to be fit and available. But I guess like Ian Henderson did do really well, but I can't see James Ryan if he's fit not playing. And that has a knock-on effect though to the Jack Conan conversation mm-hmm. because Ian Henderson then comes into the team if Ryan is out. Conan probably comes onto the bench and Baird or Joe McCarthy goes to 19. It's very, if Conan comes in, Baird drops out. I think that's harsh on Baird. I think he had a good influence off the bench last time and he brings great energy. But Conan is that test line and, and you know, he would add an awful lot to, to what Ireland bring to the table. But I don't, you know, the other big question I think is whether Henshaw comes into the team. I don't see why you would, you yeah, would mess with that midfield. Yeah. I think his role has been very good. Um, he, he came in during that HIA period in the first half, hit the ground running straight away, was really good. He finished the game out really well. And you, I just don't see how you break up Aki and, and Ringrose, especially when Scotland's area of greatest strength is that midfield. Yeah. What about the other games of the weekend at the weekend as well? That's obviously New Zealand, 96-17 uh, uh, win over Italy. Is that changing the way we're thinking about uh, New Zealand quarterfinals? I don't think it is. I th- like, uh, who is underestimating playing New Zealand in the quarterfinal? Like, it's just crazy to even suggest that if if big if Ireland were playing New Zealand in the quarterfinal that anyone would be taking the All Blacks for granted like I just don't buy into that at all Did Would you change? still take them over France though? I would yeah because the World Cup is in France and France is so bloody hard to beat in Paris but they're, like, they're a good team yeah, as well like, Yeah absolutely yeah but if it was on neutral ground I mean 
like is Dupont going to be playing? Is he going to actually be fit? I mean, I know he came back to training yesterday, but God, you see the photos of him and he was trying to he was wearing a cap almost, it seemed like to, to cover how battered his face still was. So um look, that's gonna be a calculated risk. But New Zealand were exceptional, but I thought if anything, that game said more about Italy. That yeah. was an absolutely embarrassing, appalling performance from an Italian side who have made improvements under Kieran Crowley over the last couple of years, but that was back to the dark old days. Like, that was shocking. Their, their defence was some of the worst defence that I've ever seen. First up tackles, falling off them. I don't know if, like, the players just threw in the towel earlier or what, but it was a gutless, gutless performance. And we've seen a lot of blowout wins um, at this World Cup, but that's against, like, Tier 1 and Tier 2 nations. That should not be happening um, against the Six Nations team. So I thought it said more about Italy, but I'm I'm still very wary if Ireland were playing New Zealand, of course. You are. Like, it's not a foregone conclusion, but I, I still think if you were ranking the teams at this tournament, they will be fourth behind Ireland, South Africa and, and France. I think Ireland and particularly South Africa and France have physical capabilities that New Zealand can't live with and on opening night they were able to throw punches really really well and they were able to construct really good first phase tries but when, when France dragged them into the trenches as Ireland will do as South Africa will do and you hear Ian Foster giving, you know, complaining about the ball and play time in the Ireland South Africa game and saying fans want to see what we saw on Friday night well like that's Such a com- strange comment. That was- it's, it's, but it's classic the way New Zealand have been left behind by the way the game has been played in the last couple of years. It doesn't mean over 80 minutes they can't take down Ireland or South Africa or Scotland in a quarterfinal. But I still think that you would rather play them in Paris than, than France. And the way the emotion of the occasion can kind of fuel France through it. You know, a, a, a quarterfinal against New Zealand would be an Irish majority crowd. It would be like a home mm. game. Whereas- That's a, such an important, it's such a good point. It, that is like, I mean, it's a sport over here we've gone on about. It. It's been incredible and you're so right, Rod. If Ireland were playing France, like it would be obviously mostly French, but if they're playing New Zealand, the start of France would be an Irish takeover again and that would be absolutely massive. Look, if you want to win this World Cup, you're going. I think you're going to have to beat France, but like you'd rather be playing them as late as possible, I think. And if we want to get really ahead of ourselves... The, if you, the, the winner of that quarterfinal that New Zealand are probably going to be in will be playing Wales or Argentina in a semi-final, which is the lesser of the two semi-finals as well. So your path to the ultimate, you know, Ireland are here to win the World Cup. They're not here to win a quarterfinal. And that's something I think the Irish fans and the Irish um, public need to get their heads around that winning a, a World Cup quarterfinal is not something to be celebrated. It's just a step along the way. Obviously, you beat all backs to the World Cup, it will be a big moment, but they got to back it up a week later. And they would prefer, I think, to play Wales than England or Fiji, which would probably be England. I think England was it would be a more problematic game, even though Wales are improving. But like we've already we've annoyed the Scots today. We've uh, written <laughs> off New Zealand. Now we're Keane's uh, taking a cut at Italy, and now we're writing off Wales in the semi final. So are you if anyone's getting ahead of ourselves, yeah. the, it's us. Oh, I will reiterate: Scotland are a banana skin, like a major, major banana skin. But if Ireland play like even close to their best they should beat them and yeah. like I've got no problem saying that I don't think that's an arrogance I think Ireland are the number one ranked team in the world they've racked up all these victories in a row for a good reason and I still think this Scotland team haven't had a signature victory but that's not to say it couldn't happen this weekend Would they have picked up anything in particular I know Romania What no. did Kieran Crowley said about the Italy game afterwards the it- Italian head coach that he's just going to throw it in the bin and not look at it I would be thinking similar lines to Scotland I don't think the Irish management will be looking no, through they, that game at all like they're going to have an almost entirely new new 15 you'd suggest uh, this weekend but it's no different to when Ireland played Romania I doubt the Scots really read too much into that either so um, it was a good run run out for guys like Ben Healy like who played really well Hamish Watson who's become almost the forgotten man of Scottish rugby Darcy can't get Graham. back in the team Darcy Graham was exceptional like he's going to break Stuart Hogg's try scoring record which is remarkable So, but he may not play apparently the, 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 the big talk in Scotland is whether they go with Kyle, Kyle Stein, Stein because yeah. Kyle Stein 
kind of deals is better suited to the way Ireland will play but then you're letting Ireland pick your team And but I think you're right That's you throw that one in the bin but you go back and look at the Tonga game where Tonga called Scotland all sorts of problems before losing their discipline and South Africa like the template you know like South Africa shut Scotland down they shut down Finn Russell and watching him lose his way during that second half in, in the face of that bits defence was very very interesting now they say they didn't perform that day they actually had a pretty good first half in, in many ways, but their line-out malfunctioned. We've got two two line-outs mm. with, with, which have their hairy moments. It's going to be, like, it's a proper game, and I think, you know, the closer we get to it, it doesn't have the same, like, Gregor Townsend's not going to go 7-1. It's, it doesn't have the same excitement as the Springbok game, and that's a worry that, you know, you just, can't, you know, getting yourself up for that, but I think this team will. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we also got to speak to one of the backroom uh, staff uh, re- a few days ago as well. Emma Gardner, she's head of nutrition with the RFU. Uh, so she's been in the role for a year now. She previously worked with the Great Britain women's hockey team who won gold at the 2016 Rio Olympics. Um, she also worked with the England cricket team when they became world champions in 2019. Uh, so she was kind of just giving us a lot of background info in terms of like calories, what the players eat. And you also asked her a good question, Rory, uh, about alcohol consumption amongst the players kind of in a tournament like this World Cup. Well, yeah, it was, <laughs> how do you recover? Food is uh, mood was one that stood out like, to I me. I like that yeah, one, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you can see over the course of each video as we get bigger and bigger, the food is is mood over here. Um, the it, it was very interesting because we don't often get to talk to the people behind the team. Like we got we got assistant coaches, we got players. I think they're getting to the stage now where the assistant coaches are sick of seeing us. So they're trying to um, kind of rotate things a bit more. But Emma Gardner came in and it was um, it was a very enlightening kind of 18, 19 minutes of, uh, and, and the, and I asked her about uh, supplements as well and how much they're used. And she said, not as much as you think. Um, I think people assume that rugby players are taking a lot of supplements. She said, no, we try and use food as much as possible. She talked about the calorie intake, as you mentioned, but also the alcohol, because we saw that picture of Peter Romani and Connor Murray um, enjoying a, a bottle of rose, an iconic picture. I asked Connor on, on Saturday as he, as he got a, um, an endorsement deal lined up with a rose company. He says he's working on it. But like a lot of people, I think, it's certainly in the GAA world, put that picture up on social media going, hang on a second, our players take six months off alcohol to try and win a county championship and here we have the professionals going out celebrating a win and, and being able to do it. And she said, look, the players set the set the standard. We'll hear her now, but I thought it was a very interesting answer and it shows a bit of a maturity, I think. Yeah, I think we don't have rules. We have standards. <laughs> and the lads know those standards. They create those standards. My job's really easy in that space. Um, they know they're very professional. They also need to look after their own bodies. I think... We're very clear on, they know the time. They know the time when they can slightly relax, as I've just alluded to. We can do that with food. They can do that if they want to have a drink. Um, But they also understand what's ahead of them. So there's a trust either way. There's a respect. And I think um, what's really nice in this environment is, as I said, we don't say you can or cannot do that. It's a, they do things at their own discretion. And and we all understand what, what we're trying to achieve. We're all on the same page with that. So, so yeah, uh, you know, it, it, that doesn't surprise me. Um, they're back in, we're ready, we're ready to go for the next game. And uh, I'm sure that will continue in this group. And just moving away from the World Cup, Keen, you spoke to Adam Byrne, who uh, has retired from rugby now. Yeah, retired at 29, kind of went a bit under the radar, I think, because it was in the summer, people were, were off and whatnot. But yeah, like... Sad, really, I suppose, that a 29-year-old who, like you were telling me, he's had nine surgeries as well as like countless other injuries. And when you 
we have a piece up in independent.e and in the Irish Independent today, but when he's actually telling you like everything that he went through, the mental and physical toll that he has put himself through. But what really shone through, I think, through it all was like his resilience. He's a remarkably positive character, was really popular in the Leinster dressing room as well. But um, he had a chance to go to Chicago to play in the MLR with Dave Carney and Nick McCarthy, who obviously two of his former friends, our former teammates, Dave McCarthy, Dave Carney is one of his best mates, um, but he got an offer with um, a sports company. Basically, it's, it sounds like um, you, you wear a sensor in the gym. He calls it the GPS of the gym. So he's gone working in Boston now um, and playing for his local club over there. So um, good stories about how he's getting on. He was saying he, he made his debut the week before last for the, the local club team. It doesn't sound like the standard is great. He got nutmegged for a try and he's arrived over as kind of their big signing. But he was saying like the day before the game that Josh van der Fleer, a guy he, who he lived with for, I think he was saying eight or nine years, he came through the academy together, rang him the day before that Josh van der Fleer was about to play South Africa, wondering was he okay and was he ready for his big game? And like Adam Byrne just said, like it was just a mark of the man. Like we've always said, like how nice Josh van der Fleer is, but that was more evidence to it he was more concerned with how Adam Byrne was going to get on in his lower league um, game than he was himself about how he's going to nullify the spring box so yeah there's plenty in it um, he only ever won one cap for Ireland which is a bit sad as well because like you think back to like Joe, Joe Schmidt was such a big fan well, he gave him his debut at no- yeah. 19 as well, 19, player, yeah. yeah so uh, yeah like he, he's kind of happy with, with his lot I suppose is the, the long and short of it but um, he can't help but wonder like there is a strong sense of what might have been with him of course. Uh, well, we are going to enjoy our last few days in tour. So uh, the team will leave here on Thursday morning. The team will be announced later on Thursday. Do we know when the Scotland team is going to be named? Thursday It'll be Thursday as well. As well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any plans for the last few days, lads, besides working, of course? Oh, we might get out and see a bit of the area today, hopefully. Yeah. And then, yeah, just soak up the atmosphere in tour. Final it's bit test of week. I mean, the work is going to get going again. Yeah. There's pressures tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And um, it's a big game to look forward to. But... Yeah, we'll miss, we'll miss this place and the, the Tudor buildings that we're looking yeah. at over here. It's it's all pretty stunning. Yeah, we'll have the latest as well from Ireland training tomorrow and Will and Luke will be back with the Left Wing podcast tomorrow. Listen and follow the Left Wing wherever you get your podcasts.